Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. How you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. And we have a playoff preview edition of the show for you tonight. It's great. It's great. It's great. We are back in the playoffs after a little bit of an absence. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Uh, we got a lot of fun playing for you tonight. And I think everyone here is as optimistic as I am. Yay! So well, Kelly let's is. get it started. <laughs> What? I don't even know what face I'm making. Don't yeah. <laughs> Based on like that a, face. It was like I was half in pain. And <laughs> Based on that face, I think I'm going to introduce you first. My broadcast partner in crime, Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. I want to talk about Robert Haig and how he's still in the press box and why I believe that this is happening to that sweet boy. I firm- He's not one of the six best defensemen. Well, no, oh. he is. He is one of the, the best six defensemen. I firmly believe that either Hextall or Hackstall, and I don't know which, um, have decided they can only have one rookie on defense. And right now it's Travis Sanheim because he's playing with Andrew McDonald. I think it's Hextall. I don't know which it is because Hextall had this whole summer was going on and on about how you can't have too many rookies and how you can't have an entire rookie defense. But he brought him up. Yeah, it's true. I think there could be something to be said for that. I choose I, to it, blame Dave Hextel for all of the things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, know. that's fair. That's totally fair. <laughs> no, but I think there's something to be said for the idea. I don't know if it's Hextel. I, I would guess that if this is a thing, it's probably hack, but I could see that just because, you know, maybe there's a feeling that, because I know, we know they love Andrew McDonald. We know they love his like veteran presence with a rookie. And, you know, maybe they just feel like, well, there's only one Andrew McDonald and we don't feel comfortable with either Manning or Gudis being next to a rookie, which is weird because Sanheim was next to Gudis for a while. And, you know, at the, at the moment, Sanheim has that spot. So I don't know. It, it's, it's weird. And I want to say I disagree because for significant portions of the season, that wasn't the case. But I don't think it's totally insane. That was Charlie O'Connor of TheAthletic.com. Oh, hey, it's me. So (laughs) this is a plea more than anything else to the, the Flyers fan base at large. So the Flyers made the playoffs. They met what really were all reasonable expectations going into the season. Not only did they make the playoffs, they didn't even just slip in as a wild card. They were the third, number three team in the in the Metro. 98 points, solid all-around season. So now they're facing a team that on paper, again, never know what's going to happen, but on paper, they are far better than the Flyers. The Penguins have won the last two championships. They're a really, really good team. If the Flyers do get blown out or even lose in like a close five-game series and all the games are tied or a six-game series kind of reminiscent of the Capitals series two years ago, I'm begging you to please dial back on the takes. Please, because that was my big fear with them playing the Penguins was that if they get blown out, I am going to hear constantly for the next three months about how Drew's a choker. And he always he never comes through in the playoffs. Or, That's the thing I'm looking forward to most is the oh where are all you people who believe he's the MVP yep, now? Yep, and like, same thing. That's the thing I'm looking forward to. And most. same thing with Couturier if he gets burnt by Crosby's oh you think this guy should win the Selkie? Ha <laughs> What a joke that is! Or if Provorov struggles, it's oh well, he's too young. He doesn't know how to get it done in the playoffs yet. If they lose and they lose in a bad way, it's probably not because the players that we thought were good are actually bad. It's probably because the Penguins are a much better team than the Flyers. And the players that we think are bad 
are in fact bad. Quite. <laughs> so I'm just asking if if this series goes the way most pundits think it's going to go and the Flyers lose, please do not blame it on the good players and have this series adjust your view of those good players. If they lose, it's probably because they weren't the better team. I need some positivity injected into my life. And for that, I call on <laughs> Kelly Hinkle. It's me, the most optimistic girl in the world. Until Wednesday, 11.30 p.m. Okay, that's uh, fair. It'll hold on until at least then. That's a very long time after the game has ended. What time is the game? 7? Yeah. 7.30. 7? Well. Game 1. It's going to double overtime. You never know. But I will say that I don't really care how much of a dog we are in this series. Right now, today, I am pumped for this series. I'm excited. I think that we can win. If we don't win, it's because of Dave. Exclusively. Of course, yeah. So I will honor Charles' request not to blame the players. I will exclusively blame the coach. And Yori. You can blame Yori. I'll probably blame Yorald. Perhaps (laughs) Brandon Manning. Depends on how things go. But I certainly will not blame Claude Giroux. But yeah, I'm I'm super optimistic. I, I think that, you know, if on a random evening Buffalo can score seven goals against Nashville... Anything can happen. That's true. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. And I really, that Earn Tomorrow video really. Uh, oh, God, I was ready to run through a wall today really at work. Going. Good yeah. Lord. It's better than clutch time. I'll give him that. Earn Tomorrow, better than clutch time. I like, See? it is. I always want to be like the person that's like too cool for hype videos. But every time I watch one, it's like instant. See, I didn't love it. Didn't hate I, it. I didn't love it because it was all, I, I, I just didn't love it. It was all the announcers. Like, give me something from the team. Like, give me something. Give me Claude Giroux saying, let's fucking go. Like, give me something that's not that Jim audio. Jackson. It's like players don't say anything except get pucks deep and get them on net. So. <laughs> All saying. right, guys. So for a season in which I just really wanted to see meaningful hockey again, I got it. Uh, it was a roller coaster ride, and sometimes it was frustrating, and sometimes we got too high and we got too low. But for a team in the position they're in to get all the way down to the last day and then take care of business, I got what I wanted out of this season. And now I'm going to get to see Provorov and Konechny and Patrick and Lindblom and Sanheim get their playoff experience against this team's biggest rival. Uh, Getting to play in games like these now will give this team all the experience it needs for next year and the coming seasons when all these rookies and youngsters will be developing and reaching their primes. Uh, This team, for all our complaints, finished third in the Metropolitan behind only a perennial regular season stud, the Washington Capitals, and the back-to-back Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh Penguins. That's a pretty damn good year for a bubble team that picked second overall at the draft just this past summer. And that's where I want to kick off with tonight. What a wacky fucking season (laughs) this was. That is one way to put it. the most ridiculous. And I'm just looking at it, like breaking it down into (laughs) segments this year. So they start out 8-6-2. And and that is about what we probably thought this team is. That was the only part of the season that went the way it was. The only (laughs) thing. Oh, yeah. They're like a 500 team. This is is reasonable. Okay. Drew looks good. That's cool. The youngsters are here. They're about 500. Uh, There's more good than bad. Cool. Okay. And then they go 0-5-5. And And through the first 26 games, they're what? 8-11-7? And And we're like, oh, this is getting out of hand quickly. (laughs) And then in the last 56 games, they go 34-15-7. That is a 670 points percentage after the the December 2nd loss to the Boston Bruins that got the streak to 10 losses in a row. From that point on, 670 points percentage. Only five teams put up a full season total better than that. Vegas, Boston, Tampa, Winnipeg, Nashville. See, what what I'd be interested to see, though, is what was the points percentage January and February, Mm -hmm. and then March when the whole thing looked like it was about to fall apart. Because if if they had a 670 points percentage over the four-month span, Imagine how good it must have been in the two months where they just couldn't lose. So we had all this stuff happen. We had, you know, the top two goalies coming into the year hurt. Elliot gets hurt. 
down the stretch. Neuvert is hurt all year. Starts like they start fifteen games. I think the number was fourteen. Um, they, they trade for Peter Morozik. Some of us are very optimistic about it. He's, <laughs> uh, Alex Lyon comes up. Sometimes he looks good. Most of the time, he looks like he belongs in uh, the AHL. Claude Giroux, who. Uh, some of us thought was in serious decline after seasons of 14 goals and 58 points and 22 goals and 67 points in the previous two. Gets 34 and 102 and is, in my mind, the favorite to win the Hart Trophy. Uh, Brandon Manning played 65 games. Travis Sanheim played 49. And we don't even hate Andrew McDonald that much well, anymore. I mean, let's not. I mean, that much. Let's not get crazy we still, here. I mean, you know. He's been significantly less of a tire fire this season. In terms of the in four in past. terms of the top four defensemen, he's a, he's fourth. <laughs> we, oh we my dis- god. Dis- You're like, not wrong. We dislike Manning more. We dislike Manning more. We've turned on Gudis because yeah. he's also at this point like, ah, why is he Poof. playing over Haig? Yeah. Haig's not playing, and Johnny Oduya played one game and looked like Hal Gill. So <laughs> So th- Andrew McDonald's top four. So this season. This this is this is the season that they lost ten games in a row yeah. and made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Last season they won ten in a row and did not make the playoffs. Can we stop with this bullshit where it's the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows? Like stop. give give me those spread over just a, a little bit more time. This show does best when they're yeah. on a streak. Well, you have whether to it's suffer, winning Stephanie. or losing, this show does best when we're on a streak. Let me go ahead and tell you, no, no, <laughs> that's not true. When they are on a losing streak, nobody wants to listen to us. Latera, <laughs> who I said, like, after 10 games, I was like, oh, he's sitting in the press box all year. Well, he ended up playing 62 games. Dale Weiss, my mortal enemy, played 46. <laughs> Wayne Simmons, by the end of the year, was bumped off of power play one. He's been the premier power forward on the power play for five, six seasons. Not just the Flyers, in the NHL. No, in the NHL, he's been the guy. Only Alex Ovechkin scores more on the power play than him. He's bumped off of the power play one by the end of the year for a 19-year-old rookie. And it's the least productive year of Simmons' Flyers career. And now, after all this wackiness, here we are. Flyers-Pens. Flyers Pens were right back. It's the fourth meeting versus Crosby's Penguins. Flyers are one and two uh, in series against Crosby. They lost the Eastern Conference Finals four one and 08. Lost in the first round four two and 09. Won the first round four two in 2012. The last time the Philadelphia hockey team advanced to the second round. Well, how? Like, I just want to take a step back. We've all been together basically this entire time yelling about this season. Mm-hmm. It was nuts. This is the like most up and down season I can ever remember with yeah. the most, I guess the most like unlikely things happening. Like since probably coming down, coming back from 03 against Boston. Like this is the most, uh, like they make the playoffs finish third in the division after losing 10 in a row. That 34, 15 and seven stat snuck up on me there. It didn't feel like it was going that well for that stretch of time. I was, <laughs> points, baby. They're big. I was looking at, I don't, I don't know why I was looking at Nolan Patrick's stats. Oh, because I was because you're was doing the thing for Pensburg. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that he had 30 points in his rookie year. I am bad. Like that's not bad. No. Nope. Considering he did nothing for the first two months of the season, that's decent. Yeah, for the first yeah. two months of the season, he had two goals. Yeah, yeah tops connect these numbers in his rookie year, and we see how he broke out. Right. The like season. this, this was. Very surprising, and I'm not upset about it. I think that this team could be getting hot at the right time. So as we look to the Pittsburgh... The, the, the series that I'm really not optimistic about. Um, I mean, it's okay to not be op- like, yes, if you were to say, Bill, you have to put your, you know, life savings, which is like 11 bucks <laughs> on this series. I, I'd say, yes, I would probably bet on the Penguins. However, this is such a wacky season. I and know. the fact that the Penguins have won eight straight playoff series, they're bound to lose one. I, Why not this in our one? Favor. Yeah. So what I go back to That's is how that regression works. The, right, the Flyers, <laughs> yeah. the Flyers have lost all four games against the Penguins this season. The Flyers have let in five goals in all four games against the Penguins this season. Seems good. But now al- it's time to turn around along with Maddie. I looked at what goalies were starting in those four games. So Brian Elliott started 
one. Actually, he started two, but got pulled in the second for Michael Neuvert. Alex Lyon started one. Mm-hmm. Peter Morazic started one. Well, that's like, let's get good, Brian Elliott. And things could be looking better than letting in five goals. And I, okay, go ahead. Yeah, to me, like, truthfully, the thing that has me the most optimistic about the series is the fact that this team has done nothing but subvert every reasonable expectation at every <laughs> moment the entire year. So maybe it's a good thing they're in a series that it seems like they have no chance because when it seemed like their season was over, they found a way to, to, to come back. When it seemed like they were a lock for the playoffs, they found a way to be awful for three weeks. Like whenever you think you have this team figured out, they're like, nah, we're not going to be that. So maybe now, maybe if they would have played against the Devils, they would have got swept because we would have went into that series thinking, hey, they could actually win this. This one. Oh, they only have one good player. Yeah, like we, we, we can do this, and then they would get torched. So maybe playing against a good team, maybe they're just maybe this team just does whatever the opposite of what you think they're going to do. So I guess I'll just start off with the obvious: is how do we feel about the matchup? What's your confidence level? How do you think it's going to play out? What do they need to do to win? They need to score more goals than the other team. Brilliant. Mm. Thank you. I mean, I I should be a coach that's the kind of analysis <laughs> that i pay for um they they need to not get too cute like they need to move travis connect back up to that top line because the michael roffle experiment worked he scored two goals in two games and that's good but the third line is completely useless and travis connect is wasted down and this there. is something i was talking i was right before you showed up um Couturier's line is going to be matched up with Crosby, like most of the time. Mm-hmm. Konechny is not a defensive liability because you have Giroux and Couturier. The team is going to be on offense. Against Crosby, you're going to be playing some defense. I don't hate Raffle on the top line, especially for this matchup. The thing I really hate, though, is how the hell does a third line that has Simmons and Konechny on it just how are they ineffective? Like, is Val Phil, they just don't have three centers. The fact that you're wasting Travis Konechny hurts because he is one of your mind, more dynamic players. Do you think Wheel could play center on that line? No. no. I don't think so. <sighs> I mean, could he be better than Philpola? Maybe. <clears throat> but I don't think he'd be good. I just, I don't think he's... I don't think he's a center. I but. just don't think he's big and strong enough to yeah. hold up down low in the defensive zone. Like I, I, I like Wheel a lot, but I don't think he can be that guy. Philpola, he is excel as as we me and Bill were talking about this before the show. Like Philpola's acceleration is gone. That that's the biggest reason why he's become less and less effective as he's gotten older. But he he still can hold his own in puck battles. Like he doesn't get shrugged off. Wheel Wheel's an interesting guy because Wheel's kind of like ghost in a sense. Where I feel like Wheel for when it, when he has the puck on his stick, he's stronger than when he doesn't. So, like, when Wheel has the puck, he's hard to knock off the puck. But when he goes into the corner without the puck, he rarely comes out with it. Mm. So, and the same, the same thing with Ghost, like how Ghost is faster. Almost, Ghost almost seems faster with the puck than he seems without it. Like, he just seems like a faster mm-hmm. player. Yeah. Maybe it's partially mental. Maybe it's because he just doesn't slow down when he has the puck versus when he doesn't. Like, maybe that's just his yeah. his ability. But I just, no, I don't like the idea of Wheel at center. I don't yeah. think that's a, that's, I, I would put Raffle at center before Wheel. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I think the the other answer to the question that Bill asked is how how can that line be so ineffective with Wayne Simmons and Travis Konechny is look at the season that Wayne Simmons is having. He's not the Wayne Simmons of old. He's not. I'm just as a third line. Like, I just feel like they should be more effective than they are. Yeah. And they would be if they had literally anyone else at center. Probably. Yeah, and that's that's from a matchup standpoint probably the biggest weakness the Flyers have. Derek Broussard miss has missed time, but he practiced uh, he practiced on Monday, so it's looking like he'll be ready for Wednesday. And if he plays, that's a big weakness because you, know, you already have Crosby and Malkin one two. You look at it, you know, you say charitably, okay, I don't even know if this is going to happen, but it, for the Flyers to have a shot, Couturier, the Couturier line has to at least play whoever they match up, whether it's Crosby or Wong. They have to at least play that line to a draw. Hope, you're hoping they win it, they can't lose it. Because if they lose it, the Flyers are dead. Because that's where they get all their squirrels. Yeah, so, that's your only chance. Yeah, so let, let's say that they hold their own. Then you say Patrick, hopefully they send Patrick up against the, the other of the two top lines, and you hope they hold their own. Again, this is a stretch, but you do have Jake Voracek on that line. 
and Patrick has been playing really well in the second half. So it's not of the realm possible, but they hold their own. Then you get to that third line, and then it's Philpola versus Broussard and Phil Kessel, and that's scary. Very. That's yeah. really scary. Yeah, the Pittsburgh's third line does legitimately scare me. And Broussard is ready to play from everything that, yeah. that Darnay has been saying. And, of course, Phil. Is so, uh, and there's Phil. Looking yeah. at this series, I think I'm— uh, Yes, there's a very good chance it's four or five games. And if it's four or five, it's the Penguins. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're just coming in and taking care of business because they're better than the Flyers and they're trying to win their third cup in a row. And the Flyers are, like I said, getting playoff experience for young players that you're hoping, you know, are able to really contribute a year or two down the line. Um, there's a chance they can push this to six or seven, and then at that point you start. You maybe you st- your goaltender steals you one game, and then you force a seven, and then in seven, just you know, outscore them in two of the three periods, and you move on. Like I do believe that there is, there's a there's a path to do this, and it starts with like Charlie said, top guys have to be your top guys. I consider the top guys: Drew, Couturier, Voracek, Provorov, Ghost. If your top five guys. Play to a draw, maybe outplay the you know top two lines a little better. That's where it starts. You need Giroux to be that 2012 Giroux where he's out there going, "Yup, I'm just as good as I'm just as good as Crosby." Getting left off Olympic teams is bullshit. Getting left out of World Cup lineups is bullshit. If he is the Giroux who's out to prove something, like it's looked the last couple of weekends, the Giroux who's out to prove something, you have a real chance there. But you're going to need someone to step up, especially considering this is one of the teams with three centers. This is one of the teams that can throw three lines at you and win three matchups. Who do we think has to have that like Keith Primo, Vili Leno type of postseason where you just go, did not see this level of production coming? Um, I don't... <laughs> I'm going to go with Scott Lawton. Oh, that'll be nice. Let's let's throw let's have let's actually put Scott Lawton at four C. Let's do that and see what he can do against the Penguins' bottom line. I think that that might not be a terrible matchup. I think it's fair to say that the problem with that is I just worry about the impact of Laterra there. But well, the, but the Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's <laughs> yeah. fourth line is not very good, so it's legitimately possible that Lawton could win that matchup. To me, to me though, I just don't think he's going to get the ice time to have that big of an impact. Like. To me, to me, the the way the Flyers win the series is they ride the hell out of their stars, and I'm not just talking about them being good. I mean, they get literally all the ice time, God, I hope and so. that gets it. So like, Laterra gets five minutes a night, and Manning and Gudis get ten minutes a night rather than fourteen, fifteen. Like, yeah. like that's how you that's how you you give yourself a better chance in the series because you're cutting down on the amount of time you're playing your weaker players. But to answer your question about who's the Villy Lane of the series, to me, it's the young guys. To me, yeah. the young guys could be the difference here for the Flyers if they spring an upset. If Nolan Patrick plays really well, and he's going to be on power play what one, if most Lynn likely. Bloom if opens up? Yeah, that'll be awesome. If, if Lindblom is, you know, carries over his play-driving dominance and turns that into goals at the exact right time, he could be huge. And then you go back to Konechny. Konechny, you know, we, we've complained about him not being on the top line, and we've complained about him being beside Philpola, but Phil Kessel isn't very good at defense. Derek Broussard is okay at defense. Like, Konechny, if that's the matchup, could theoretically torch that third line when they do get in the offensive zone. And maybe then you can take advantage of the fact that Phil Kessel just doesn't really care about playing defense. That's um, Limblom and Konechny especially seem to me like guys who are kind of built for the postseason. Mm. Both good along the boards, both stronger than they look, both good in puck battles, get to the net, score in a variety of ways, uh, tougher than they look, I guess. is I, I just think these are guys who could really swing a series. Uh, is that going to happen this year? Again, if I had to put all my money on it, I'm saying Pittsburgh. But I'm looking for, <laughs> I'm looking for a path for the Flyers and saying I'm seeing things here. I don't think this Pittsburgh team is as good as the one that won two years ago. They're I, definitely not. Yeah, uh, I just don't see them as God, that great. I I can't I can't get behind that because this Pittsburgh team, this one, beat the Flyers four times this year. The like, Flyers not, aren't that good either. Well, yeah. I, that, there's that. Like that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at what has happened 
over a four-game sample size. And that's the se- the yeah, second half of what they need to me is just goaltending. You just need, yeah. hopefully, a little bit of goaltending issues in Pittsburgh, maybe, and Brian Elliott to be good Brian Elliott. Well, that's here's what the you good really kind. Need. Here's yeah. what I find interesting, and this is something that I didn't realize until I started actually looking at these teams, is that Matt Murray's numbers are worse than Brian Elliott good. He's not having a good year. Um, and one of the things, Charlie, that you pointed out in your article today, where you looked at the the way these two teams match up, is the fact that, as we've talked about a lot, the Flyers continue to take a large percentage of their shots from the outside. And I think that if they're going to have a chance in the series, they're going to have to reverse that. They're going to have to start getting high-danger shots on Matt Murray because he can be beaten. This isn't the the wall that they had net a couple years ago in him. And if they keep shooting from the perimeter like they have been doing, it's probably not going to work to their advantage. Yeah, one thing that I'm going to, because I have another article coming out tomorrow, I have to finish it up later tonight, but one thing about the way the Penguins play, and this is something, because I don't think the Flyers are necessarily going to reverse what they do in the offensive zone on the cycle. Like, I think they're going to essentially take point shots. That's just what they do. It's just the way they are. However, one thing about Pittsburgh is that they have a very, very, very aggressive forecheck in the offensive zone. And because of that, they can end up in the position where they send three guys deep and they all get trapped. And then the Flyers have the ability to have a transition rush, an odd man rush the other way. One thing Flyers fans have rightfully been yelling about a lot this year is how many odd man rushes this team wastes. How many times Mm -hmm. they don't even get a shot off on odd man rushes. They can't do that. This series, when they get the opportunity to burn Pittsburgh and trap three forwards behind them, and it's a three-on-two or two-on-one, they need to get quality shots, and they need to finish them. Because you can't have this overpassing or miss it five feet over the net thing. Like You're going to have those chances because Pittsburgh takes risks, and when you get them, you damn well better finish. And then, of course, the other thing, with which you know probably goes without saying, is that the Flyers cannot take penalties like yeah, that, at all yeah. that's yeah. what i was like, gonna say pretty much at all <laughs> yeah. zero penalties can we just like forfeit the penalty kill give that's, them a goal <laughs> i was gonna save say the time beyond you know what we think of our bottom six and what we think of uh the third pair defense the biggest matchup concern is their power play versus the flyers penalty oh, kill yeah. yeah they're operating at 26 percent Better than one for four. So if you have if you have an undisciplined game, you are losing that game. Uh, the Flyers, of course, as we know, third worst penalty kill. They are they've given up more power play goals than is even imaginable, considering they have been one of the more disciplined teams in hockey this year. They give up so many power play goals, and they're never even on the penalty kill. Uh, they need to just stay out of the box. That is a huge concern. Especially considering how these series have gone in the past. I know the Penguins are now not the team the Flyers beat in 2012. They finally learned, hey, if we just ignore Scott Hartnell, we can skate right by him. <laughs> like they finally, I can't believe it took three different coaches to finally say. Yeah, Sol- Sullivan was the first guy who got that Sullivan's through their heads. finally yeah. told them, hey, skate away. and like You are so much more talented than everybody. We have Crosby and Malkin, for Christ's sake. Let's just not get involved in the nonsense. And to their credit, they finally don't, and they've won back-to-back cups. Um, <laughs> the Flyers, I don't think, will benefit from trying to use their old tricks because no. the Flyers will just end up in the penalty box, and Pittsburgh will end up scoring. What? Te- what? Who is still on this team that was here in 2012? Giroux, five players. guys: Giroux, oh, okay. Couturier, Simmons. Uh, I have it's Giroux, Couturier, Simmons. Uh, Voracek and Reed. Reed's back. Dad Reed's back. Yeah, Reed's Mm -hmm. back, so it's fine. (laughs) I looked it up today. So one point I want to make, because you mentioned about the goaltending, and I think Kelly mentioned about the goaltending as well. It's very important, but uh, one thing that I think is important to remember about goaltending in a series where you're the underdog. So perfect example of this was when when the Canadians beat the Capitals back in 2010. And, you know, the story obviously goes that Yaroslav Alok stole that series, which he did, 100%. He's the reason why they won. The Pat Capitals were way better than Montreal. However, Halak was not good in every single game. Yeah. He was either amazing or he was awful. But the thing is, is that when you're a team that's that, that that's 
outmatched from a talent standpoint, that's what you want. If you if you're gonna lose, who cares if you lose six to one yep. or two to one? You still lost. You weren't sweeping them. Exactly. You weren't sweeping a team. You're like gonna that. lose some games in a series. So what the Flyers really need from Brian Elliott, if Brian Elliott remains the goalie the entirety of the series, which you know, with the amount of goalies they have, that's not a guarantee. But if he does, they need like two or three games where he's just awesome, where he gives up a goal, like one goal or a shutout. That's what they need because you can't like I would rather have that than him give up three to four goals a, a game, even if the Penguins are taking a lot of shots. Like, yeah, you go, oh, well, Elliot, Elliot had a pretty good game. It's not his fault they lost. No, they need him to steal one or two games. They need him to have one or two oh, Yaroslav yeah. Halak type games. And if he sucks in two other ones, well, he stole you the two. And you probably were going to lose those other two anyway. And honestly, that's kind of what they got out of Brian Elliott this year. I've been saying all year his numbers don't reflect how good he was most of the time mm-hmm. because when he was bad, uh, like that, uh, I always go back to the Nashville game. He goes down too early and they roof six shots on him. <laughs> and it's like, oh man, couldn't you just have. Stopped one of them? I don't know. <laughs> like, like you, 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 you went head to head with the Nashville Predators, and honestly, could have beaten them, but uh, you made no saves. Uh, so I think, like, okay, he let up six. You just see that happen. But I think Elliott, for the most part, has been competent for this team, and getting him these two games, these last two games of the regular season, I think were absolutely huge uh, yeah. gets to shake the rust off against Carolina and then comes out pitches the shutout against the Rangers who if I'm the Florida Panthers I am furious yeah. at what the New York Rangers put on the ice on Saturday that was a disgrace how bad did that team want to be golfing <laughs> yeah they didn't uh, seem that interesting 17 shots yeah like we got Brandon Manning and Radko Gudis as a pair and you put up 17 shots you know what I, I should have had that many against just them but I'm, I'm gonna go back to something Steph said I don't feel bad for the Florida Panthers at all no. Uh, no, no. because win you know games. what yeah when you're stu- win, play remotely decent hockey in the first half of the year and then you don't have to chase down the Flyers no, absolutely sorry. not. I'm just in that situation. If I'm, not sorry, if Charles. I'm, if I'm sorry, the, not sorry. If I'm the Panthers in that situation, I'm just like, really? You put up 17 shots? Well, I mean, the Flyers could have very easily missed out on the playoffs as well. Oh, so. sure. Yeah, but That's they all. didn't. And I feel I feel bad because they did play hard at the end, but like, ah, suck it. They're a tire nah. fire. So, yeah. you know. The Flyers didn't miss out on the playoffs, though, and it's largely in part to the effort of one man, the captain of the team, Claude Giroux. I thought you were going to say Brandon Manning. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon Manning's the heart and soul of this team. Strip the C, give it to Manning. Oh, <laughs> no. Don't give hack no, ideas. you see, you <laughs> went and said that. Someone's going to cut just that part out and tweet it at me. <laughs> Taylor's going to do it. <laughs> like, this asshole, look what he's saying. No, uh, Claude Giroux, I've been saying for a couple of weeks now, I expect him to be in the top three. I expect him to be a Hart Trophy finalist. But he, McKinnon, and Hall seem to all basically have the same case. And I just don't think Giroux's going to get it. Watching what he did the last two weekends, I think he just absolutely deserves it. I think Hall and McKinnon maybe deserve it just as much. But Giroux's my guy, so goddammit, it belongs to Claude Giroux. I mean, Maddie laid out the numbers in an article today, and Giroux is actually better than both of them. Yeah. By the numbers. And he's doing this as a 30-year-old. Yeah. Yes. Which I think the only place he was be- below the other two is in goals. Not points, but just pure goals. Which is, you know. Which, okay. But we're fine. not. This isn't the Rocket Richard Trophy. This is the MVP. Right. And I I, I mean, the team for years has gone the way that Claude Giroux goes. Yep. Always. Yes. Always. Yeah. They're in the playoffs. That's He has a career year. They finished third. He has a down year. Granted, it was... he finished third in the Metro. Yeah. <laughs> Have we laughed about that yet? It's I'm we're laughing about it ever since. <laughs> like last <laughs> week, we were convinced they weren't making right? the playoffs, and they finished. But the case, <laughs> I would say, I guess the number one case against Giroux is that compared to Hall and McKinnon, he has the best surrounding talent, yeah. which might even be true. However. Oh, Maddie, shut that shit down, too. Yeah, I, if you I, want to head over to BroadStreetHockey.com and read about it. Probably should have read it. because It, <laughs> it would have saved me a lot of time looking this shit up myself. <laughs> probably. Like, Travis Konechny. Travis Konechny was absolutely amazing in the second half of this season. Turned out to be a stud. He's got some 5-on-5 numbers comparable to, I don't know, guys named Austin Matthews, 
Connor McDavid. Never heard of him. William Carlson, Nathan McKinnon. You know, Yo, the, William Carlson ruined Team Jamie Ben's penalty box <laughs> doing a repeat. So in the last forty six games of the season, which is after he got moved to the top line with Drew, twenty goals, seventeen assists, plus nineteen in sixteen minutes a game. Um, this includes the last three games when he was pointsless and got moved off that line for you know, Michael Raffle. But in the first, like, okay, so he was awesome. Absolutely, Drew benefited from Travis Konechny. However, first 35 games, four goals, six assists. He had 10 points. He had 10 points in the first 35 games. Drew added half a, over half a point a game to his total just by playing with him. Yeah, I think, I think the argument here, like the, the argument against Drew is basically the presence of Sean Couturier. Like, that's really what it boils down to. And that's nonsense That's what it boils down to. That part is nonsense talking to me because Sean Couturier, absolutely great. We know he's a good defensive center. You know, we know what he is until this year, and he finally started scoring. Is it like, oh, no, it's Couturier who doubled his own numbers in one season. Like, 31 goals, 76 points? Are you shitting me? Oh, yeah, that's Giroux who never had – that's Couturier who never had 40 before. Now he almost has 80. Like, that's Claude Giroux. Yeah. Jake Forchek's numbers, after he gets bumped down, go down like .4 points a game. That's not a coincidence either. All the guys that we're saying are making Claude Giroux better. No, he's making them better. Sure, symbiotic relationship. Giroux has to do less. You know, in the defensive zone because of Sean Couture and everything. But Giroux still leads the team in faceoffs taken. And he's third in the league in faceoff percentage. Like, he's still doing a lot of the hefty, heavy list, lifting. He's just not the only one now. Weird. Yeah, that's the thing that, that gets to me is that it's absurd to me to argue that if you plug any warm body into Claude Giroux's spot, Sean Couturier being there is just going to make that person an MVP candidate. Like, Claude Giroux has made Sean Couturier better. It went that way. Yeah. Like, it, it didn't go the other way. There's a Sean Couturier was always good. This was always there. But he had shitty line mates. Now he's got good ones. So his good line mates made him better, not the other way around. Yeah, no, if you had asked any one of us at the beginning of the season, before, you know, the Drew stuff happens, it's just how you think the lineup's going to be before they go, hey, we're moving G to left wing, and Sean Couturier is now your 1C. Like, oh, okay, that's fun. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Before that happened, it, it, like, oh, man, Sean Couturier had 55 points. What a year. Yeah. He ended up with 76. Yeah. Yeah. yeah That's you, insane. Yeah. The, the argument, like, you're talking about, like, relative to teammates argument. That That's yeah. the primary argument against, that's the primary argument for Taylor Hall. You've heard Greg Wyshynski talk about that pretty much every single minute of every day for the last month. But um, basically... The point I'd like to make about Giroux in this case is, like, I get the Couturier argument. I'm a little bit more sympathetic to the Couturier argument than most. But for, like, three quarters of the year, the only Flyers line that was scoring at all was the top line. And for the majority of the year, that was basically Giroux and Couturier. Those two of them were carrying that line. Konechny was great, but I think everyone would agree it was kind of like the third wheel on the line, like the, the least important no, member when, of the line. When you switch Voracek and Voracek's numbers drop and Konechny is all of a sudden putting up basically yeah. the numbers that Voracek was, you go, okay. It's these guys. But yeah. with Giroux, like his relative to teammates' numbers, because of that, because of the fact that the rest of the forwards weren't that yeah. good... They're just as good, if not better, than Hall and McKinnon. They're better. Yeah. Like, it, pretty much in every single category, they're better. And, like, I get the Couturier argument. Like, I think Couturier is better than Miko Rantanen. I think Couturier is better than Nico Heischer. So, if you want to make the argument that Drew had the better of the three line mates that the MVP candidates had, that's fair. But then you also have to account for the fact that Drew's relative to teammates' numbers were better than those guys, too. So, maybe it balances out a bit. Like, you see Sean Couturier had, like, what, one primary point in his career on the power play, and this year gets moved into the slot, and, oh, yeah, power play is just as good as it ever was. Like, that's Claude Giroux. Well, I love the the Travis Yost thing that he cited where the, the Flyers' power play got outscored without Claude Giroux on the ice this oh, year. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, Claude Giroux is one of the, if not the best power play quarterbacks in hockey, and one thing I do think the analytics community tends to do in their analysis is – 
they act like five on five play is literally all that matters and being really good on the power play especially when you are the engine that makes the power play go is super duper valuable and that's Claude Giroux no that's and we've seen Giroux do it now with totally different groups we've had three different guys at the point we've had Simmons and Shen in front we've moved around and Hartnell in front we've moved some guys around in the slot we've had Voracek on the far side like they just keep changing the pieces on him. Now, all of a sudden, like I said, Wayne Simmons no longer net front presence. This 19-year-old rookie supplanted him, and, oh, shit, he might be better. <laughs> They're still scoring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the way I look at it with the MVP race, and, I mean, I'm going to vote Drew number one. Um, but, to me, there's only one person who I think you can make a case, a good case for him being above Drew, and that's Connor McDavid. Basically, if you're a person who looks at the voting and you say that, you know, adding playoff value doesn't matter. All that matters to me is actual value added on the ice. Who was the best player that year? Connor McDavid was better than Claude Drew. Connor McDavid was the best player in hockey. And if you're a, if you're a person who thinks that making the playoffs, your team making the playoffs doesn't matter, your team being in the playoff race doesn't matter, it's just purely value added, I am totally cool with you going Connor McDavid. If you're someone who thinks that making the playoffs matters or being in the race matters and that you can't give the MVP, either either you can't give the MVP to a guy whose team is in the playoff race or that guy has to be so head and shoulders better than everyone else that it just doesn't matter. Yeah, if McDavid puts up 150 points this year, yeah, 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 yeah he's just the MVP. Yeah. But since he's six points ahead of G, eh, exactly. So, me so if you fall in that bucket, then I think... You have, to, in my mind, I think you have to go with Drew because I think he was more valuable than the other guys not named Connor McDavid. The well, one, oh, go ahead, Kelly. I was just going to ask Charlie since you're a member of this group now, why do you think that Claude Giroux does not garner the type of respect that you would think that he has earned? Um, I mean, we've, we we didn't we have this conversation a few weeks ago? We might have. About how, you know, number one, it was the down years. Number two, it was the best player in the world comment. Like, there's a lot of things, I think, that play mm-hmm. into it. I don't know. I don't know. Because it's not, to be honest, it's not just the writers. If it was just the writers, I think, okay, well, it, but it's weird because it's Philadelphia. Like, why would they ignore a guy That's, in a major market? But, yeah. but it's not just the writers. It's, like... The hockey world. Yeah, like yeah. he got left team off Canada, the yeah. Canadian Olympic team mm-hmm. because Sidney Crosby wanted his best friend to play on the team. And they left off Claude freaking Giroux, who then proceeded the second half of that year to get himself nominated for the Hart Trophy. Like that was Drew in his prime, and they left him off because for some reason, hockey guys, the 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 on this in 200 hockey guys, <laughs> they just decided that Claude Drew wasn't as good as you know his numbers said. And, and, that, and I don't know why. I don't know if there was a reason. in someone's pool once. Like, that's like Giroux is the captain of the team. Like outside of like the Chicago Blackhawks and like the Pittsburgh Penguins, the teams we get pissed about. Oh, they're always on national TV. They're always in the outdoor games. The Flyers are one of those teams. Yeah. <laughs> we are. Yeah. Like, we are among the hockey royalty in terms of hockey markets in this league. And he's the captain of this storied franchise. Like I've heard owners say, yeah, it's basically an original seven. The Flyers, yeah, they came in in '67, but they're as much a part of it as anyone. Like we are one of those teams. We have a national following. I don't understand. They're not that good. They I, haven't been that but good. But he's that good. Right, but the team hasn't and been. So the team doesn't get a lot of attention, so he's not going to get a lot of attention. And it's a team that, like, my whole childhood, up until I was a junior in college, like, this was a playoff team every single year. One year they missed. The team having a down year is weird. The team having a down period is weird. Like, the 90s were a down period for this team because they just made the playoffs and weren't going to cup finals every three years. <laughs> yeah. Like, having a down period is weird for this franchise. And you go, oh, the best player must not be that great. Like, it's the Flyers and they're not good. What the hell? But I, he's been so good for this team. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd even go so far as to say it might be part of the Lindros effect where the stars in Philadelphia are just not seen as stars for whatever dumbass reason. I will say I can make a good, I, I think McKinnon has a good case. I think he does. Yeah. Just because that team is one of the worst teams ever last season. Yeah. It, I, I, I was a, year lot, ago, a lot of things have changed I from last year. I understand. But like, that's how we vote on coach of the year. But like, that's the only thing coach, that I think you can, that coach qualifies. Of the, coach of the year always is just like, 
Unless someone just had I, I yeah. think I think that who I don't even know what the name of the Colorado coach is, but I think that he Bednar. should be in 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 the conversation like, for coach of the year. No one is going to take we, it away from Gallant, but yeah. he yeah. should be because he is the one, the reason he came in as we I mean, we've talked about this a million times. He came in late because Patrick Waugh just <laughs> so took it took his ball and went home. Yeah. <laughs> coach of the year in like every sport basically most of the time is let's subtract this year's wins from last year's wins and who's ever number is the highest. No, you're the best coach. Like if you look at the MVP like that, McKinnon has this year, and that's a playoff team. And last year, like they're the worst team since the expansion Atlanta Thrashers. I think he has a really good case. But like M- I said, McKinnon was going to be my vote until the last few weeks when Drew just went utterly bonkers and dragged this team kicking and screaming into the playoffs. Yeah, and after I saw this, and he has the hat trick on the last day, and it's all on national TV. Like as much as we kind of joked about that last week, it helps. I agree. Like I saw this happen, and it's in front of the world. And I'm like, these are big moments. I know one of eighty two, blah blah blah, but. There is a such thing as clutch because things do happen when they happen. And it's not just the clutch factor. Like, yeah, I think I think the fact that he, he had a great I year think the fact year. that he played well at the end of the year helps because it puts the exclamation point and these games, you know, they do matter more. They matter more because the stakes are right in front of you. It's not this nebulous idea of every game matters. Like, no, this game actually matters because if we lose, we're not going to make the playoffs. And he went out there and did it. But it's also because, like, that was 20 games. That was a quarter of the season, which then helped Giroux essentially in terms of his overall numbers catch up to all these guys. Yeah. Like a month ago, I wouldn't have put Giroux in, in the top three probably because he was legitimately behind these guys by all the numbers. He went on this incredible run at the end of the year. And then you look at the NSC's numbers, and you're like, Giroux's better than everybody that's not Nick Conor McDavid. He David. finished ahead of Kucherov in points. What? I was going to say, let's move on. We've got 10 minutes left. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. It's Claude Giroux. Yeah. I know. No, I know. <laughs> We're the number one podcast. We are influencing votes right now. All, I, I fully believe it, but the only person who is, actually has a vote is Charlie, and he's already doing it. The listener. Sammy's listening. Someone who listens Sammy's listening. Uh, uh, got to convince him. I will wrap him. it up and say... F. Taylor Hall. Uh. <laughs> no, no, no. Taylor Hall, I didn't know, was my large adult son that played for the team that I hate more than the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think Taylor Hall has a good case, too. I'm hoping that, like... I voters. really need him to just stick it to Edmonton, like, a yeah, lot. Yeah, no, I'm hoping some voters in Western Canada are like... Nah, we're holding this against them. Gee, <laughs> <laughs> they just leave them all totally off their. Because you know they're vo- you know maybe. they're voting McDavid. Yeah, yeah, they're voting McDavid, and they're gonna hate on Taylor Hall. So that's gonna help Jeru's total. That's what I'm hoping for there. Now we can move on. Let's look at the matchup. Yes, let's do that. So I did some digging. Uh, the first thing I wanted to look at, because, you know, the thing always was, going back to that 2012 series, you know, it's Couturier versus Malkin. But we also had the Drew Crosby matchup, so we wanted to live with that there. Now we have Couturier and we have Drew together. Right. So where are they going to match up? So I looked up the games. Uh, first one at Pittsburgh on November 27th. Couturier played 59% of his shifts versus Crosby. He scored a goal, was minus three in the overtime loss. January, that says first, but it should say second versus Pittsburgh. (laughs) Couturier played 80.44% of his shifts versus Crosby. No points, minus two in the regulation loss. That's the game that Brian Elliott got pulled. Yeah. March 7th versus Pittsburgh, another home one. Couturier only saw 47... Oh, no, saw 47... Percent of his shifts against Malkin, only 25% against Crosby. Uh, no points was even in the regulation loss. That was a morassic start. Yeah. And then March 25th at Pittsburgh, their most recent meeting, Couturier saw 81% of his shifts versus Crosby, scored a goal, was even in the overtime loss. That one was Alex Lyon started and got pulled to wake up the team. Was that was that our watch party? Yes. yes. Okay, yeah. So that was and was That was a very game. good game actually. An entertaining game. Uh so I'm looking at the line. It looks like we're going to have Couturier versus Crosby. That's what we're going to get. So 
the hope has to be we get Nolan Patrick versus Evgeny Malkin and then figure out the bottom six. That would be the hope. It and has to yeah, be. Like, that's the only... Because we tried that Philpola thing and it was... It, it was yeah, let's it was not do debacle. that again. And yeah. now we have Konechny there, so it's not even like we can say it's a checking line. Yeah. Because it's not. Yeah. That's the thing that he... Sh- that's the, that's yeah, the right. hole in his game. <laughs> oh, we're, we're going to move Konechny off the top line and then we're going to match him up with their top six? How does that make any sense? You can't do it. Yeah, what it boils down to for me is I don't know if Nolan Patrick can match up against Evgeny Malkin but you and, have to and find succeed, out. but I know that Phil Bullock can't, yeah. so it's more just like, okay, I'd rather take the chance on the unknown rather than what I know is going to be awful. Here's my question. Wouldn't Raffle, Lawton, and Simmons be a just, good checking line? I was they just sure would. Wouldn't be a good checking line? I was just thinking, like, what if we fix the third line and just say to hell with the fourth line? And rolled three lines, one of which is not horrifically bad. I mean, what it boils down to in the end is that Hackstall, like most coaches, I think, is not going to change his lines dramatically no. No, in yeah. anticipation of a series. Like, that could happen if they go down 2 0, right. which is certainly not out of the realm of possibility considering both the first two games are in Pittsburgh. The, yeah. you know, the, the, the cliche is the series doesn't start until a team loses a game at home. So even if they go down 0 2, <laughs> it's not over. Like it's yeah. it, they could the Flyers could win both games in Philly and it's a totally different series. But I don't. There's, I think partially and and I I put some stock in this. Partially it has to do with a mentality of you want to tell basically by keeping the lines together you're telling your team that like we trust you guys we're not we're not we're not so desperate that we feel like we have to shake things up just to compete with these guys. Mm-hmm. We trust the lineup we have. I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily opposed to that. What I am opposed to is the fact that I think the lineup as it was constituted in the last few games wasn't that optimal. But mm-hmm. now that this is your lineup, I don't have a major problem with this being your lineup for game one. However, if game one is a debacle, you better change things. I don't, I, I don't. So you know what I'm, I'm wrestling with? I don't know how to quantify the hackstall factor. And I feel like that is something that needs to be taken into consideration in this matchup because there he is going to find a way to fuck it up for the talent that he has on his roster. He's going to find a way to help the Penguins win at well, least one game. Yeah. Like there, there's, there's definitely the hackstall factor where he just thinks that he's doing something that clever right something something that makes sense in in whatever convoluted world he lives in that these bad slow big players are good that's um and and i i I, I just don't know how to quantify it i'm shaking the table i can't remember (laughs) i think it was milbury because milbury was actually on the broadcast not in oh my god what what brilliant thing did he say Um, nothing uh, i i oh my god he talked about moving raffle up to the first line and i just it seemed like such a quote from dave because it seemed like such a like i can just hear it He's like, oh yeah, we're you know Raffle now moved up to this first line, and uh, so so he can score those playoff style goals. No, Dave said that shit. Did he actually say that? He said some something okay. along the lines of it brought some toughness to the first line. Some some what? bullshit about. I was like, goals grit. are goals. Like I Danny Briere was a little fella who scored plenty of goals in the playoffs. Like, and he was just a skilled French guy. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like that would work, but here we are. And uh, like I said, <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> I would have no problem with this switch if the three C was like competent. But since she isn't, we're just wasting Travis Konechny, who's been one of the breakout players. And one of the reasons just we're put here. Lot in there and fuck the fourth line. But they're not they're not going. To I, know, I know. doesn't trust Lawton. Like, like he's so not even dumb. he's not even using Lawton at center. That yeah. just yeah. should show you that he clearly does not trust this guy in you know a defensive a role where he has to be defensive. He does not trust his defensive capabilities, and you know I disagree. But he worked on them so hard. Well, you can work on something doesn't mean you're good at it. But I, he he I, wasn't bad at this. Well, start. do we know? Like like the honey. We we, we we talk about this though. Like, do we know that Scott Lawton is good defensively? I think he's a what better. Even is I think he's a better defense. player than Valtteri Filippo. But I don't know if he's good defensively. And that's my issue. Is if you're on defense against the Pens, you're losing. 
Yeah. They have some oh, of the God, best yeah. top end talent ever assembled. Like, if you're in the defensive zone against this team, you're going to lose. You know what I like about Scott Lawton? He forechecks well. Yeah. And if we're forechecking, they ain't scoring because Steve Mason's not at the other end to give up <laughs> half ice goals. So <laughs> I'm never going to get over it. I'm never going to stop. I've, I've, I've stopped trying it, to get you to. And I do it just to be an asshole now, but I'm just never going to stop. I know. And I've given up. But I've no, given like, up. Scott that's, Lawton. That's how I work you. It's and fine. getting back to getting back to the honeybees, like you just said, you know, maybe they weren't finishing, but they were quick. They were just forechecking the shit out of yeah. teams for 35 seconds and then getting off the ice. And then here comes Drew and we score. That seems good. You're, you're not wrong. That's all you need from yeah. your fourth line, really. You're not wrong. Like, I, I think you can look at you can look at the hacksaw question that that Steph posed and you could present it in a way that's not like fuck hackstall. <laughs> But why? But, <laughs> but why would anybody yeah, do why? that? Like I, I, I think that even probably even Dave Haxtell, to be totally honest with you, would acknowledge that he is matching up against a coach who, in his two years as an NHL coach, has won two yeah. Stanley Cups. So it's fair to go into the series and say that the Penguins probably have the coaching edge. And so. Like, Hold on. In in the two Big in the true. two years <laughs> that Mike Sullivan has been the head coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins, he has won two cups. He's eight no. Is the this true? In the two years that Dave Haxtall has been the head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers, he's played Andrew McDonald like a number one defenseman. <laughs> oh, num- that's, number three this yeah, year. Now he's Takes there. all kinds. Now he's a three. Just saying. But this yeah. is this is what we're looking. We're looking at the past and, two and, years. Like granted, like Sullivan has a much better team than Haxtell had. But, I know. I know. My, but my, my, my point is that I think you can say he's going to be he's going to be outmatched. Yeah, I think you can say that that Sullivan, like if you're looking at it objectively, you can say Sullivan is probably the better coach. And I think you can say that without necessarily believing that Dave Haxel is a horrible coach. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that Mike Sullivan has proven he is a great yeah, coach. Yeah, he's one of Haxel the best in the league. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that uh, Mike Sullivan is one of the best coaches no, in the I think store. he is. Totally I great. will credit, because I've always got a great team. Like, yo, there's a reason, like, Phil Jackson won with all those teams, but, like, all those guys that were so good never won without him. Mm. And, like, Tony Dungy had a bunch of great teams and finally got one, and it was in the worst Super Bowl ever played. Like, (laughs) I always think, like, it's just as hard to coach good teams because the expectations are, yo, championship, and Sullivan's 2-0. And looking at what he did, like, that team had all the talent in the world and had such a personality problem and such a discipline problem. instantly. And he's the one who figured, like, who finally unlocked it said like this is how good we are yeah finally we're doing it like i I think mike sullivan's the best coach in the league i think the job he's done with them is absolutely incredible i think Um, that's fair and when like charlie said when we're looking at okay we're gonna check here you know fly okay power play penalty kill we're gonna make skin tangibles like we're gonna do all the that's a joke from the first game of the season against the eagles redskins but oh some redskins commentator like had Everything on the Redskins side, including skin tangibles. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, yeah, get it. Anyway, uh, like well, when, we, when we fill out those boxes, coaching goes to them, even if you don't well, think Dave Haxtell's a terrible piece of all right, shit. All right, so like, let's look at that. What advantages do we think the Flyers have? Heart. Miles and miles of I mean, heart. <laughs> so this, this, is where, this is where I stand. If we're looking at, I mean, the forwards, the forward depth, Pittsburgh defense defensive depth uh, i mean listen uh, dumelin latang is by far their most used pair then they go mata schultz and then they mix in ruedel and alexiak i think like, they're I think not can, even really a pair i think you can rightfully argue that the flyers have two of the three best defensemen in this in this series Okay. Like you, you might put Latang one, you might put Latang two, you might put Latang three, but Proroff and Gossesbear are better than everyone else they have. I think that's fair, but then you got to look at. <laughs> the, I don't disagree with you. The I'm other just saying, portion. There's no, no, a positive. No, 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 I agree completely. Which is why I said the the defensive depth was yeah. the yeah. question mark because yeah. I think I think that our top defensive talent is better than their t- top defensive talent. Yeah. But then you got the four other schmucks. Well, the but three other ones and Travis Sanheim. Looking at what they've been doing, and I looked up their lines for the most recent 10 games because I just want to see what they're doing now because it's probably what they're going to be doing for the playoffs. And they go Dumoulin, Latang, They go Mata Schultz. And then they mix in their their third pair. Like Ruedel and Alexiak are five and six. They don't play together. They get mixed in. I don't with... think I've ever even heard that name. Ruedel? Is that yeah, how you say it, Charlie? Yeah, it's pretty much yeah. what I, be- I believe he's, you. I just don't. He's, know he's that literally a just a guy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's what they go five 
five, six, they don't really play together. They get mixed in with one of the top four. And if what we're looking at is Provy Ghost, we're going to go Sanheim, Man- or Sanheim McDonald, and then hopefully we don't go with the third pair and we just kind of mix those guys <laughs> in because our top four are all getting like 24 plus minutes. Well, that's the thing. Dave needs that to use that be... third pair like parent cry check. Yes, get them on Otherwise, the ice. Otherwise, we're screwed. You mix them in, but you don't use them as a regular pair for a third of the game. That's yeah. a mistake. If you're able to mix them in, I think that really alleviates some of the defensive depth problems we have. And since that's how you coach in the playoffs, yeah, well, hopefully that's what he does. All right, so... Then we, we're looking at goaltending. Push. I, I agree, yeah, actually. I, push. Um, I gotta give it to the guy who's got back-to-back cups. Yeah, but he's... Nah. You know, I think... I think... And, and this is... I'm not a doctor, and I've got no inside information, but I think that he's been playing with a concussion for most of this season. Hey, maybe. I'm just, like... I look at the Penguins right now going for their third straight cup the way I'm looking at, like... The Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers. What you're doing in the regular season is getting through it because our real se- we're only going to be judged by what happens in the postseason yeah. because we've won the last two cups. The regular season doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah go ahead, Washington Capitals, win the division again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's cute. Hang that fun <laughs> banner on opening night. We got these two that we you know seems to be a bigger party for these ones. So like I don't really judge. All right, I'm judging Matt Murray on winning back to back cups. Not that his I numbers mean, weren't that great this year. We're talking about how far superior the team in front of him is to ours and his numbers are worse than Brian Elliott so I'm not trying to hear I think it's closer than if you were to just ask two people in the street Penn's goalie versus Flyers goalie I think it's closer than that yeah but I'm gonna give the edge to the guy who's won back-to-back and I think that's fair too I think that either one I I think that any answer there is okay why is wheels still out of the lineup well why is we just have to wrap up soon so Oh, oh I, I'm not done checking boxes. Yeah, ten thirty-one. Let, let, let's definitely keep checking checking boxes. Let me, all right, so a penalty kill goes to the pens. I well, think the power play, <laughs> um, probably goes pens. to them too. Yeah, they have the yeah. best power play in the league. Um, and then coaching is pens. So, like, let's hope for lightning in a bottle. The best thing about hockey is that the best team doesn't always. Win. Our rookies are better. Yes, our, our rookies are way better. I don't know who their rookies are, but I've decided ours are better. Ours are better. I, I'm not going to stop any of them from being optimistic. Sheery. If they want to be optimistic. If you want to be no, optimistic, like, that's the fun of being a fan. No, Anyone, and, and we're all, I mean, we're all going to be there. We're all going to be going insane. Everyone can teams. see that the Penguins are the better team. Yeah. yeah. I just think the thing the Flyers have going for them is one, apparently motivated Claude Giroux. Not saying he was ever unmotivated, but he seems to step up for the Penguins. On another level. I want to see him get yeah. on that level, that 2012 level from the playoffs. And the unknown. The unknown the of maybe Nolan Patrick really is the next Danny Briere, and he's going to have more points than everybody. Even if they lose in the second round, he's going to lead the league in points halfway through the Stanley Cup final like Briere did in 2012. I like, personally maybe it's think- going to be like that. I personally think one can reasonably acknowledge that the Penguins are the better team and also reasonably expect that the Flyers are going to beat them. So this, this Jordan <laughs> but, Wheel but thing. Kelly, please do not, as I as I said in my beginning thing, do not reasonably think the Flyers are going to win and then get unreasonably angry when they don't. I'm I, only going to get reasonably <laughs> angry, Charles, and all of my reasonable anger will be directed in one okay, particular it depends, direction. It depends on how it goes. Well, yeah. This is a close series, and then in the final two minutes of a tied game seven, Yorald is on the ice and Crosby <laughs> scores. I'm going to get unreasonably angry at one guy. No, that's reasonable. <laughs> that's I reasonable anger. Reserve the right to feel any way that I want to feel <laughs> about anything, Charles. But, I may or may not Charles, get unreasonable at some point. Jordan Wheel. Yeah, why? It, it's, it's, it's roles. Like, and I know it sounds awful, Mother but that's what it boils down to. It's roles. It's, it's roles. Last it's, two seasons it, versus the Pens, Wheel has played five games, three goals, three assists. It's either gonna, it, it, When it boils down to it, the way Haxel looks at it is either Wheel or Lawton in the lineup, and he likes Lawton better, Ooh. which I think is understandable. But it's not Laterra. Laterra is the center. He's not coming out for Jordan Wheel unless they I adjust everything, and see, he's not going to do it because he likes Yuri Laterra. I can't I believe like that Letera he's center now. It's it's waited for situation because Letera Terra is on the fourth line, and Philpola is on the third line. I like Laterra better than Philpola. Mm. <laughs> I would rather if we, if if we had the third line I want of uh, of Raffle Lawton Simmons, and then a fourth line of Wheel Laterra Reed. I could live with that. I think it's better than what they're rolling out there right now with Philpola. Uh, don't necessarily disagree. So the playoffs. Start on Wednesday. Yoffs. The, the No. I, I will fight you. The yoffs. Yoffs. The playoffs. 
are starting <laughs> on Wednesday. The team is in Pittsburgh. We are in Philadelphia and we'll be holding a watch party. Party! At Xfinity Live. Join us at... We will be holding it. We will be holding it's it. Yes. Um, join us in Bully's Pub at starting at 6 o'clock on Wednesday. The game starts at 7. Everything's on Steph. Absolutely not. I'm a very, <laughs> very poor person. So... Join us for our watch party. We'll be there. It will be fun. And actually, Steph's drinks are on you. And my drinks are on you. <laughs> Charlie said <laughs> the athletics paying for it. Hey, I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be in Pittsburgh. Charlie's got a budget. I Charlie stole his credit card. <laughs> Screw you, Bill. <laughs> so, anyway, join us for our watch party. I don't know if we're going to continue them past this one, but this is the one, and it'll be a lot of fun. We'll have one for the second round against the Caps. And that Thanks. is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining. Thanks for watching live on Facebook, everybody. Hey, Facebook. Uh, <laughs> that's it. Have a great week. Go Flyers. Winning in six. Yay! I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>